Welcome again. My name is Grant Hill. I'm the associate pastor at the Garden Gathering Church here. And I'm thankful that we have lots of new faces today, as we often do in the summer, eh? Tonight is a big night. We only do this once a year, and it's called our giant gathering, I don't know how to say it now, the Garden Gathering Giant Game of Games presented by the Griffiths and Grant. It keeps multiplying G's. I think we're up to seven G's. So that's tonight at 6.30, where you're sitting, be here to have fun or be here to go bear through it and have ice cream afterwards. Yeah, it's not that torturous. It actually is a lot of fun. It's a game of games, and the point is to get as many points in the games to win the game of games. Yeah, I translate that, Mary. Yeah. I'm sure they're like, (laughs) how many games is that guy going to say games? So that's 6.30 tonight. All ages are welcome. Yes, even the little ones can play. And we're going to have a good time. So 6.30 tonight, the Garden Gathering Giant Game of Games. Last week I spoke on, I mentioned the verse in Joshua. So if you want to go to Joshua 1, that's where we'll start today. And I was emphasizing the role that you have in the body of Christ. And if you know your role, you are dangerous in the eyes of the enemy. If you know who you are in Christ, then you are dangerous in the eyes of the enemy because you are then an empowered believer of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. You are not just a sleeping, waiting for Jesus to come back member of a church. You are in the role and the function of I am in the body of Christ Jesus. Jesus is moving. Jesus is going. Therefore, I am on the move. Therefore, I am going. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And if I understand that I am in the body of Christ and I am moving, I am going, I have a role, I have a function, I have a purpose, that all of a sudden expands God's kingdom faster than anything. Faster than you coming every Sunday. Faster than how, how loud I can preach. When the body of Christ realizes I am empowered, I am a minister of reconciliation. I am a saint doing the work of the ministry. I have a role to play. This is what has changed the ages. This is what has rewritten histories. This is what has changed the trajectory of people groups. This is what has changed the trajectory of nations. Is when people laid hold of this gospel and said, it is for me to do. It is for me to see. It is for me to believe. It is for me and my house. And surely I will see the goodness, the gospel of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm not going to wait until I'm dead to see his goodness in the land that I'm living. That's the mindset that religion brings of dead works. A mindset of religion is I will 
be here until I see paradise in the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus said, don't pray that way. Don't pray, I will get there. Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is in heaven. That's the mindset of Christ. Yes? So Joshua 1.3 says this. He's talking to the title of this book. Obviously, it's the Lord. Moses is dead. Literally says that um, in Joshua 1 verse 2. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. God is saying, don't exclude yourself because I said this to Moses. Don't exclude yourself because I said it to the head. The authority I gave to Moses, I give to you. All authority has been given to me, Jesus said, and I have the keys, and you are seated with me in heavenly places. So in the same way, Joshua had to say, the authority that God gave to Moses, I am not excluded from. I have a role. I have a purpose. I walk in the same authority. As I said to Moses, God said, I am saying to you, it's the same mandate. Every place that the sole of your foot tread upon is yours. What does that make you want to do? Go walking. What does that make you want to do? Put your feet on everything you got. Put your feet on everything you see. Put your feet on it, right? There's another, there's another story in the Bible of, a, of the prophet that goes to the king of Israel and says, if you strike the ground with this arrow, this, this will be what you do to your enemies. And he only struck the ground three times. And the prophet gets mad at him because he's like, why did you stop? If you would have just been relentlessly pounding the ground with that arrow, your enemies would never have ever stopped. Your enemies would always perish before you. You can't have that mindset. That is an earthly mindset, but God is eternal and spiritual and supernatural, and he's always increasing. He's always going. He's always expanding. And so every soul that the, every place where the sole of my foot tread upon, what does that mean? Well, you go on vacation. Well, wait a minute, I don't live there. But this is what he's talking about. You, every place that you have influence in, everywhere you go, you have an influence. Everywhere you go, you are an ambassador of Christ. Everywhere you step foot in, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus. The saints are the ministers. The fivefold serve the house to launch them into what they do. The fivefold is the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors. They don't carry most of the anointing. The anointing is in the body of Christ. He is the head, and we are filled with the oil of God. It runneth down over his beard. Yes. <laughs> yes. So if I am filled with the oil of God, I am powered. I am empowered. I am filled with the truth. And then I got to get plugged in. That's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we read last week, John said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Others say he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with power. You got to get plugged in. Because when you're plugged into a circuit, the power never stops. For all of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon, come upon, 
come upon David, come upon Saul, come upon Samson, come upon Samuel. And then it's like a, like a pop bottle. I know that's not a term you guys use around here, but it's like a pop bottle that you put your hands on and it shakes up and then the, the Holy Spirit had to come off because it blew off. The flesh could not hold the spirit of the living God. But Jesus said, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be in you. I want to be inside the pop bottle. I want to be in you 24-7. You were created to be with me 24-7. You were created to house my spirit. But your flesh, when you were born, separated me from you. And Jesus said, okay, what's the price that we have to pay for this? How do I buy my children back home to me? Because I'm a father, and I need my children home. And they need to be with me, and I with them. And so he sent Emmanuel, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He sent him, and the price to pay was his own blood. How did he pay his own blood? He let somebody whip him and beat him and crucify him and nail him to the cross until it was gone. And they punctured his side, and it spilled out even more. He paid a severe price for our sin, he paid a severe price for your sin so that you could be a part of the body of Christ. And he bought you back. And he said, you're in my house. You have my house. You have my inheritance. But now I want to put my hands on you and I want to baptize you. And when I baptize you, I'm not going to just baptize you in the water. That's the prophetic example of what happened in the grave. You saw your grave when you gave your life to Jesus. Boom, he raised you up in Christ. But there's another baptism. There's another one. It's the Holy Spirit's empowerment baptism that he wants to put his hands on you, Yahweh does, and fill you with that spirit that never leaves you. It's plugging you in. It's giving you an empowerment for the role of the ministry that you have been given. And the role of your ministry we talked about last week is I choose to believe. You are a believer. You are a believer of Jesus. You are a believer, and greater works will you do. We have to start doing the works that Jesus did. We are the bride of Christ. So his wife is going to do the things he does. His wife is going to do greater works than he does. Because husbands understand their wives do greater works than them. They do. They are the glory of man, it says in Corinthians. Man is the glory of God. Women are the glory of man. They are in the image and likeness of God, and yet they are the glory of mankind. Women is the pinnacle of creation because Eve was the last thing ever created. There is an honor there. There is a glory there. And as the bride of Christ, this is the image of what we are supposed to be. We have been glorified in Christ Jesus. He has exalted us. He has crowned us. He has clothed us. He has purified us. And we are going to be the glorious bride of Christ. At the end of the book, it was exciting to see the bride. It had finally been done. The most exciting thing was to see the church made ready to be with the husband, the bridegroom king, Jesus. 
You have been made. You are being made. You are being perfected. You are being justified, yes, by his blood. You are being glorified, yes, by his power. But you're being sanctified daily by the working and the molding of the potter's hands. To be what? To be the wife of Jesus. To be the wife of Jesus and to do the works that he's already done, but even greater works because that's what wives do. That's what wives do. They serve their husbands with a greater glory. And wow, you say, well, how can this be? Let it be done, Lord, according to your word. It's the grace. It's the favor. It's the, it's the, the mercy of God on mankind that he would call us the bride of Christ, that he would call us children of God. And you feel convicted because that sin that says, I cannot be cleansed and clean to be that bride. I am not pure enough to be the bride. He goes, yes, but let me put my hands on you. Let me wash you in the water of my word. Let me wash you in the water of my spirit. Let me wash you in the presence and make you clean and never remember those sins again. That's the gospel. That's the good news of this Bible. Yes, if you have not ever encountered the Lord like this, this is your day. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day of the bridegroom king coming and saying, hey, I'm knocking on your door and I need you to open and let me come in. Let me eat with you. Let me dine with you. And he who overcomes has an ear to hear. If we had ended in 1 Kings, every place that the sole of your foot tread upon, I have given to you. If you remember in 1 Kings 19, Elisha was told, go. Do you remember that last week? He went to the mountain of God to tell I'm the only one left. <laughs> no one else serves you, God, in Israel. And God says, no, go and do my work. There's 7,000 of the remnant of Israel that are praying, that have not bowed their knee and not kissed the feet of an idol or Baal or any false lord. And I've seen them, and I know them. They are nameless and they are faceless, but they are doing my bidding. They are doing my word. They are decreeing and declaring in the night and in the day, and they have not turned their heart away from me. You're not the only one, Elijah. I see them. And this is what our house is called to be. You might be nameless. You might be faceless, but you are the saints. You are the ministers of the gospel, that God sees what you're saying. God sees what you're believing for. God sees what you are standing for in righteousness. He sees it, and he's writing it down. He says, yep, I am taking note. Yes, this is my people. I have 500 people in San Angelo, and that's more than enough for me. I hope it's more than that. But you see what I'm saying. I have to be a part of that number. <laughs> oh, when the saints go marching in, how I long to be a part of that number of what? Believers who believed and were steadfast believers because it is impossible to please God unless you have faith. That's in Hebrews. I'm quoting a lot of scripture to you. <laughs> yes? I want to go, I want to hit what God told Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 15 through 17. First Kings 19, 15 through 17 says this, Then the Lord said to him, Go, Elijah, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint John, 
the son of, oh, I'm sorry, John. God bless John. You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meheloah. And you shall anoint as prophet him in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Um, I mentioned this, and I want to make sure that we understand you have a role to play. You have a purpose now. You have been born for such a time as this, it says in Esther. But you have to have the childlike faith that today is the day. But also the wisdom to realize that you are on the eternal spectrum for tomorrow. What you do today matters for your children's children. But what you do today matters with faith that it is the day of the Lord today. You have to be of the kingdom of heaven, children have the faith that it's, today is the day, right? If you're a parent like me, you have learned, don't tell your kids grandma is coming until the day of. Why? Because if you tell them a week ahead, every day is the day grandma is coming until the day. But if you wait until it's the actual day, Right? There's no tears, there's no crying, there's no gnashing and weeping of teeth, or weeping and gnashing of teeth. That should be us. That when God gives you a promise, you're like, yes, it is today! Oh, yes, it is today! He's coming today! He's coming today! And you have to have that the next day, and the next day, and the next day. That's childlike faith. And not be discouraged, but yet you have to have the wisdom of the ancients of days to realize that he is outside of time and it is in his timing. And this decree that I am saying today is the day of the Lord is not just for me, but it's for my house and for my children's children and for the thousandth generation. Amen. And I will not be discouraged if my prayers are not answered today but if my children's children see them. Andrew Murray was a, uh, a revivalist of the Dutch Reformed Church in the 1800s of South Africa. And when the Spirit of God moved on the house, <laughs> people just started repenting in their chairs, just crying out to God as he was preaching. The Spirit of the Lord just came upon them fell upon them, and they couldn't help but just cry out to the Lord. Abba, Abba, just crying. And he calmed them out and said, this is not of the order of the Lord. This is not of the order of the Spirit. This is, not, this is like 1 Corinthians. He had an example to give them, and he shut it down. And he shut it down. And it happened over and over again, like three times. And one time he went to the back, and his dad who was his pastor, was crying. And he said, how dare you stop what I've been praying for for decades in this church. And it hit him that his dad had been praying for decades on what he was stepping into. And you have to have the humility that what I am praying for <laughs> is for me 
today, but yet I am humble enough to know that it could be for tomorrow. And I won't be discouraged by either way. That's maturity in the house of God. That's maturity in the house of God. How many thousands of years did Jesus wait to come? How many decades did he wait to reveal himself? <laughs> How many? It says he was 30 years old when he began his ministry of unveiling who the Father was, full of grace and truth to mankind. He is a humble God, and he is our Father, yet he is excited to show up and give gifts to mankind. <laughs> yeah, that's our God. This is Adonai, Yahweh, the wonderful counselor. I want you to understand in, um, in Matthew 11, let's go there, that I read it last week, and we'll get there again in Matthew 3, but in Matthew 11, <laughs> we know that John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus because Elizabeth and Mary were related. And so John came, it says, six months before Jesus. And there's an interesting dynamic here in the spirit that God is, is uh, if you would, hedging his bet. Because if you think about it, if John the Baptist does not choose to fulfill his role and function as the last prophet of the Old Testament, then Jesus cannot be revealed. If he says, no, I am not going to do it, I'm going to sit down. I'm not going in the wilderness. I'm not going to do it. He has a will. John the Baptist has a free will to choose to do the work of the Lord or not. Choose to believe the way of the Lord or not. Choose to be the one in the voice crying out in the wilderness or not. Praise God that he did. And we know that anything that God starts, he will finish it. And I understand that. But John the Baptist's free will is still a part of this equation. And if John does not say, I have a purpose, there hasn't been a prophet for 400 years, but I am one. If he doesn't take that up in faith, if he doesn't hear the word of the Lord and said, you must be baptized, because nobody baptized, that was a new doctrine. That was a brand new theology. That was a brand new teaching that John the Baptist is crying out in the wilderness saying, you must be baptized. What does that mean? Turn from your wicked ways. Look upon the Lord. Call upon his name. Show it. Show it by faith. Getting in this river. Let it cleanse you so that you can see him when he shows up. If John the Baptist does not take up his ministry and say, I have a role to play. I have a purpose. I have a ministry of reconciliation. If I don't speak and I don't fulfill it, then Jesus can't be revealed. Because it had to be fulfilled. All of the Old Testament prophets had to be fulfilled with a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, the last of the Old Testament prophets. How do we know this? This is Matthew 11. Matthew eleven twelve, And we'll read 13. 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Go to Luke 16. All the prophets and the law prophesied until John the Baptist. Go to Luke 16. This is Jesus as well. He tells us what he did. Luke 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament, were all the way up until John the Baptist. The law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. If John is the fulfillment of all of those prophets, it was easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for what John was saying to go away. That's why Jesus had to be baptized, so that it could be fulfilled. Do you see what I'm saying? Wow. (laughs) Wow. Now this explains something. In the book of John, it says that the word became flesh. John the Baptist was a part of that word. And when the word was released, it had to be manifested in the flesh. He is, he is, it can't go away. It can't go away, but it's going to reveal itself, boom, as Jesus. He reveals the word from John the Baptist to the beginning of time. I am who I am. I am the son of David. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah that the last prophet has prophesied about, and here I am, all the way to Adam. Wow. Who, what am I saying? Jesus says that if you knew that John the Baptist was Elijah, if you can bear it, he says, he tells the Jews, if you can bear that John the Baptist was Elijah, but I tell you truly that those who believe in me are greater than John the Baptist. Those who believe in me are greater than John the Baptist. So what does that tell me about you? That if John the Baptist had this much of a role to play in the kingdom of God, then you have just as much or greater of a role to play. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You do. Why? Because you're not just in one office. You can be apostolic and go. You can be prophetic and see the visions of the Lord and proclaim it. You can be evangelistic with the evangelist within you. Jesus is all of these things within you, yes? You have to teach with the authority and the power and the conviction of Jesus, the teacher in you. You are called to love and care and serve all around you. Love one another as Christ has loved you. The lover, the pastor, the overseer of your soul is within you. You're not just one office. You are fulfilling. Yes, some are set aside into the office, but they have the spirit of Jesus within them to accomplish the fullness of the bride of Christ. We have many gifts and it's been distributed among us, but we have the spirit of God that's the socket, the circuit that's continuously empowering us to do all that we need when we need it. 
through the Holy Spirit. You with me? Let's go to Matthew 3. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. He appeared after all the words about him and his kingdom were unleashed on the earth. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. The word of God, Jesus, appeared after all the words about him and his kingdom were unleashed on the earth from the law through the prophets to the last prophet, John the Baptist. What if John the Baptist had said no? Jesus would have to wait. Isn't that amazing to think about? But praise God it didn't. <laughs> it was in the fullness of time that he is faithful to do it and he will surely do it. Matthew 3, verse 5. When you have a role to play, you're an ambassador of Christ. You have a will to choose and what you say matters. How you say it matters. When you're in your prayer closet, that is a very intimate relational place. When you're in a small cell, like a cell group, that's an intimate place of life. When you're in this setting corporately, you know that, okay, I need to speak things with more formality. If I were to go to the state right? The state Senate, and I sat on the floor of the House of Representatives for the Texas state in Austin, I'm going to be a little bit more formal and prepared for what I have to say, right? And if I was called to go to Washington, D.C. and speak, I'm going to come with a little bit more power, authority, legality, reverence. On Why? What is different? What is different? What is different? The place where you're at, the setting that you're in. There is a time in your secret place, in the closet, to be declarative as if you were before the ancient of days in the throne room. But that is a place where you are to wrestle with God and know what he wants you to say. That is a place where you are to be intimate with him and talk out concerns, talk out doubts, talk out fears, and not be afraid to know him and to be molded by him so that all of his desires, you can come out and say what you have heard in the closet, declare it on the mountaintops. And we just spoke last week that what, you decree and what you declare shall be established for you. Do not take it lightly. Woe to those who give unrighteous decrees, it says. There is a place to wrestle with God and know him and know his desires. And when you're in that place on the week, then on Sunday or once a month at just a sound, it's like, I know what my God is saying to me. Here it is. Yeah, this is the word of the Lord. I proclaim it. We sang that today, right? We proclaim your truth and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates of hell is an offensive term. Right? If, we, if, you're, if the gates of hell are in front of you, that means that you have barged all the way through the earth and are storming the gates of hell. Gates of hell, even if they open up, they won't prevail. Yes, that's how most people take that. But a gate is a place that's trying to keep people out of. So if I'm going against the gates of hell, that means I have stormed the earth and I'm going even against the gates of hell. That's an offensive term. That's not defensive. 
Yeah, that's the authority that Christ has given us. Are you in Matthew 3? Verse 5 is where we'll start. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went to him. Who is him? This is John the Baptist. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, whose baptism? His baptism. His doctrine. His theology. His word from the Lord. <laughs> it's similar to Moses did not set up worship in the house of God. Moses was on the mountain in Mount Sinai, and he didn't hear from God that he wanted music. It's kind of weird, right? But yet, who set up worship in the house of God? King David did. Many, 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 many years later, the king who is after God's own heart found out God loves music. God loves worship. I'm going to set up worship 24-7 in the house of the Lord. The worship of the Lord was set up by David, not by Moses. You think, well, that's blasphemous. Why? We are co-laboring with God. He is revealing himself age to the age, era to era, year to year. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what I have planned. So when those things come, are we going to be like, who are you? What is this? This is a false teaching. No, he's revealing himself and you will know it because the spirit of truth will reveal all truth that's within you. This was his baptism, his doctrine of baptizing. Interesting, yes? Keep going. And he said to them, brood of vipers. That's not good if you ever hear that, right? Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Jump back up to verse 9. Do not think of yourselves and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Last week I mentioned a woman who cried out to Jesus, said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of, the, the word of God and keep it. We cannot lean upon that this nation has such a great heritage. The Jews did that. We're children of Abraham. God will never cast us away. But yet they went into bondage, into Babylonian captivity. He never forsook them, but he did punish them. And you have to have a revelation that, okay, God, the winnowing fork is in your hand over my city, my state, my nation. 
not what I want, but I want to wrestle this with you, where I have been frustrated, where I have been disgusted with my country, with my statesmen, with my citizens, with my fellow neighbors. Because what you say matters right now. What you are speaking matters, and God will take note. God is going to take note. Where do you stand for? What do you believe? And I want you to believe with me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to know what I'm feeling. I want you to know what I'm thinking about Texas, about San Angelo, about the United States of America, about all 50 states. And I want you to speak the truth. And I want you to declare the truth. And I want you to decree a thing and have it be established. For today, yes, but also for your children's children. You have a role to play. You have a purpose to play. You have a ministry of reconciliation for today and tomorrow. And the winnowing fork is in whose hand? The Lord's. The Lord's. We trust what he does in deliverance. We trust what he does in rebuilding and restoring the old ruins. We trust what he does when he plucks up and casts it out. We trust him. And Brandy's been saying, you have to keep your eyes on who has the winnowing fork. Keep your eyes on who has the ax. If you keep your eyes on him, he will be your anchor. He will be your anchor. And you'll never be moved for all your days. Amen? If you have any need of prayer, we will be up here to pray for you. And again, we will be here at 6.30 tonight, and we would be delighted if you came. Even if you've never heard of this game or you've never been here, you can come. So let's stand and let's honor the Lord. Let's honor the Lord. Holy Spirit, we honor you. I honor you, Holy Spirit. And I know, I know that your good news changes lives. You came to fix our lives. You came to make it right with you. You came to heal our hearts. You came to bind up our brokenness. And you came to bring us back to life. Where we have died, where we have been asleep, where we have been in trauma, you have come to bring us back to life and to let us live and live life abundantly. I speak your word, Lord, in John 10, 10. You say that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But you came that we may have life, and life more abundantly now. And surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And I honor this word. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you have said, I have a purpose. I have a mission. I have a role to play. You are listening and you are waiting for me to agree with you. And I ask God that you would settle it in our hearts, what you are saying, that we would decree as one, because the spirit and the bride decree together, come, Lord Jesus, come in revelation. We want to be speaking as one nation, as the bride of Christ in this state, in this nation, in this city, exactly what you are wanting us to say. We would not be out of step. We would hear correctly and know your word and be filled and empowered with your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas, 
We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.